It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and this week, we're going to take a trip down memory lane and think of what could have happened in a chain of reaction. Everyone knows that a butterfly effect can change the outlook of an entire world, and when a butterfly flaps its wings, if you were to kill it, it could lead to a plethora of different events. So, what would have happened if Texas A&M never hired Jimbo Fisher? Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Locked On Aggies. Locked On Aggies is your number one source for all things covering the 12th man as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So subscribe to us on Apple, iTunes, or Spotify. And secondly, if you like this show, if you think that I know what I'm talking about, if you think that I'm right, if you think that I'm wrong, if you want to give your personal opinion, give me a follow at Mr. Cole Thompson. At Mr. Cole Thompson. That's my name. Don't wear it out. At Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. Before we start talking about Jimbo Fisher and what could have happened, we have to really go back and address the need of Kevin Sumlin. Now, a lot of people out there believed Kevin Sumlin deserved to be fired after his tenure with the Aggies five years into the program. And again, you look at the numbers, you would question why he would be fired when he finished with a 51-26 record in six seasons there. And he actually had never had a losing season. His worst season was his last year, where he finished seven and five. The years before that, eight and four, eight and four, eight and four. Um, yeah, eight and four, eight and four, seven and five in 2014, nine and four in 2013, and of course the 11 and two season in his first year in the SEC and his first year with the program. The problem was he wasn't able to get the wins in the conference play. 4-4 and four average season in 2017, 4-4 average season in 2016, 4-4 average season in 2015, 3-5 2014 season, 4-4 four four during the 2013 season, and of course the 6-2 lone season of success that he had up in College Station. But that 2017 game, a lot of people realized this was probably going to be Sutherland's last year. It was very apparent when they were leading going into the fourth quarter up 44 to 10 against the UCLA Bruins to start the season and then the miraculous 28 point comeback by Josh Rosen and the Bruins led to a 45-44 defeat for the Aggies things were going to change patterns they were going to move on the question was who can join the program that can beat the likes of the great SEC coaches and there was one name that came to mind a lot and when you go back and you do your research It was very apparent that same time as much as Jimbo Fisher was a name to watch for in the SEC, especially because of his pedigree, you know, one of the biggest names to ever come to LSU as a coordinator, goes to Florida State, wins there. It was a moment where this was a changing point in Fisher's life. A lot of people around the NCAA believed that this was Fisher's last year in Tallahassee. Now, where he would go, no one had any idea. But was this going to be his last year? More than likely. Uh, There was a lot of people who quoted that he had rumors to various jobs, including Texas, West Virginia, and Auburn. And he was a serious contender for the LSU job in 2016 that he actually used as collateral to gain a contract extension at Florida State. 
So when all this happened and you started seeing names start popping up left and right, he was already getting offers. And the Knowles only lost three games apiece in 2015-2016. They were a really good team. But it was the 2017 season where they opened up against Alabama, which a lot of people consider to be the most watched game of the year. Everyone thought that this was going to be the game that decides the national championship. You have Nick Saban versus a former coach of his, battling it out up in, I think it was Orlando. The one team was going to be set for success. The other team was going to be downright awful this year. And they weren't wrong. But here's the reason why. DeAndre Francois, the quarterback who ended up transferring and going to Hampton College after this, suffered an injury that set him back for the rest of the season. He did not play another snap that year. The Knowles started a 2-5 and five year. They recovered down the stretch. They qualified for a bowl game, finishing 6-6. Six and six. So they won four of their last five, uh, five games. So they salvaged the season. But 6-6 six and six is not what you think of when you think of Jimbo Fisher. You think of Peach Bowls, you think of Cotton Bowls, you think of college football playoffs, and you think of national titles. He's been to the college football playoff before. He has been to the national championship before as a head coach. He brought in top-ranked recruiting classes because of what he was able to provide for the program. And a lot of people thought whoever gets Jimbo Fisher is going to be a next contender or at least have a shot to. And the biggest thing was, they weren't wrong to say that because A&M is a good team. Now, their record isn't going to show it right now because they're still in that kind of gray area of the SEC. Are they contenders? Are they pretenders? They're kind of just, yeah, we have good games against really bad teams, and then when we play really good teams, we're average to below average. Last year, again, if you take out, I think, either the Clemson game or the Georgia game, they finished with the same 8-4 and record that they finished the year before. You switch that out, but that's the problem. You can't do that. But when you face five teams in the top 10 in a single season, if you walk away with one win, which they almost did against Georgia, they did. Granted, the weather really played the inclement factor, and we don't know how this game would have ended if DeAndre Swift maybe fumbled the ball or if it was clear skies. But we do know that this was their closest game. Alabama, they held close for a while, got blown out. Auburn, they had to come back. They almost won, but they had to come back down by 14 going into the fourth quarter. So, there we go. We got that one. Clemson, tie game going into halftime. Tie game at the end of the first quarter. They only down by, I think, 10 at halftime. They get blown out. LSU, they start the drive very strong. LSU gets a touchdown. They throw an interception. Game over. Game's over way before you even see 50-7 to come up on that big screen. So again, it was the right hire by A&M. But let's just say for a fact, what do you do if Jimbo Fisher stays at Florida State for another year? Maybe he didn't like any of the offers on the table. And he was like, you know what? I don't have to take this job. I can go anywhere I really want. And if I do... What's going to stop me from going to another school? And also, what's going to stop me from leaving Tallahassee? I may not like my situation here, but I love my situation here. I'm Florida State. I am a top-level program. 
in the ACC with players who more than likely would start in the SEC. Why do I have to leave? I have an easy schedule. I continually win. I've had some down years, but I've gotten better. I've kept the program afloat since Bobby Bowden. Why would I leave? In the end, A&M convinced him to go, and I'll tell you why. $75 million guaranteed speaks a lot more than an easy schedule. I would take that money every time over the chance of being good in a conference when I can be great in probably the greatest conference in college sports, especially college football, on a consistent level. I can be great there, have the resources to recruit, and prove that I am more than just a one-trick pony coach. But also, what if I want to go to the Big 12? Texas was interested. West Virginia was interested. What if I want to go there? What if I want to take that program to the postseason? What would we do then? Anything could have happened, and AM got really lucky that they were willing to pay the price. So say AM wasn't willing to pay the, pay the price. Do they stick around with Kevin Sumlin knowing that Jimbo Fisher's not coming? Or who were some other names that they could have targeted to replace Fisher and see how they've done since? Don't go anywhere. We'll be breaking down those names in just a quick moment. Howdy, everybody. It's Cole Thompson from Locked on Aggies. And much like you, I'm trying to stay in shape during this quarantine without going to the gym. But part of staying in shape is by having the right nutrients added to your body. And I think I've recently found something that really is not only great tasting, but great for me. And that's in Built Bars. Built Bars are more than just a tasty treat. They are a protein-packed power bar that keep you going throughout the days. And they come in 16 amazing flavors, all covered in 100% real chocolate, plus they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy because it helps you lose and maintain your weight while also having a delicious flavor added to your mouth. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein. Let me give you my favorite example for the peanut butter brownie. Comes with 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of net carbs. 3 grams of sugar. You're not going to be able to find that anywhere else. Why don't you go ahead and try your favorite bar by going to BuiltBar.com and using the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. Remember, that promo code is locked on for $10 off BuiltBar.com. So go ahead and try your favorite Built Bar today. Not only will you be building muscle, you'll be building confidence in yourself to look better when it comes time for summer season. Giggum, y'all. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media, at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. And also, subscribe to all of our Locked On Podcast shows. We have over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, and all the top news to get you covered for fantasy sports season. So make sure you follow, give us a follow, like us on Spotify, like us on Apple iTunes, and go listen to your favorite Locked On podcast today. We're talking about coaching changes and what could have been this week. This is a whole week of what-ifs. What if so-and-so happened? What if this happened? What if this never happened? So what if Jimbo Fisher never came to College Station? Well, the first thing is, do you keep Kevin Sumlin? I believe about 90% of the Aggie Nation would say, heck no, get him out. Get him out. But again, you look at his schedule. 
you look at what he did his entire career. He got wins that he needed to, kind of like Fisher has. His final season, he got wins over Nickel State, Louisiana, Arkansas, and South Carolina before losing 27-19 against number one Alabama. They got a win over Florida in Gainesville. That was not an easy victory. But then you drop a loss to Mississippi State, so it kind of returns the favor, 35-14. And you lose to Auburn at home, 42-27. But you get back-to-back wins again after that. New Mexico, 55-14. Ole Miss at Oxford, 31-24. But you close out the year with two losses, one that someone was not involved in, but you lose to the number 19 LSU Tigers in Baton Rouge, 45-21. 45-21. to 21. I think that was the knife in the coffin. You weren't able to get over the LSU hump. And that's the only thing to where I tell Aggie fans right now who are like, when I bash on Jimbo, it's not that I don't like Jimbo. But Jimbo has done one thing that Kevin Selman never was able to do. And that is beat LSU. Again, it's weird. I know that LSU is not Texas. And a lot of fans who aren't about my age or maybe a little older, won't understand the UT A&M rivalry as I do as a kid, but this is your new rival. When you joined the SEC, every team has a rival. They always play at the end of the year, and this was their team. I've watched good coaches get fired for not being able to beat their rival. You can win 10 games a year. If you don't beat your rival, you're not off the hot seat. This was A&M's rival, and six straight seasons since joining the SEC, A&M has won once against LSU. It's one thing to say they've won once against Alabama, who's hoisted the national championship trophy, I believe, three times since they joined. And also, I mean, up until this year, the 2020 college football season, 2019 college football playoffs, they had not missed a playoff. They were in every single one. 14, they lost to Ohio State. 15, won the national title. 16, lost the national title. 17, won the national title. 18, didn't didn't win the national title. After that, they didn't make it this year. And they probably would have as the number four seed if Tua Tagovailoa doesn't get hurt. So to win one game against Alabama is impressive because of at least Nick Saban's backing it up with consistent trips to the title game. You can't say that about LSU. So it seemed very likely that someone was already on a short leash. And with that loss at the end of the season, that was it. It was done. But say they weren't done. Could he have gone and won that series the next season? I mean, because last year, as hard as it was for Jimbo, the biggest thing is, could you have seen him actually get the win? In 2019, you look at the roster and you look at what they did and who they played. Northwestern Stadium would have gotten that win. It was a close loss to Clemson. I don't think they would have gotten that win. Louisiana Monroe, they would have gotten the win. They wouldn't have beaten Alabama. Guess what? Fisher didn't beat Alabama. Uh, They would have definitely beaten Arkansas. I don't think they would have beaten Kentucky. So there we go. We have three losses now. They would have beaten South Carolina. They definitely would not have beaten Mississippi State or Auburn. So now we're at four losses, three wins. I don't know if they would beat Ole Miss. I don't think they would. So now we're at five. They would have beaten UAB. 
and they would have lost to LSU. Six and six. That would have been my prediction if they would have kept someone. And then all you're doing is you're relaying the inevitable. The only reason you keep someone is because if you know there's another hot name candidate on the roster that could make or break your season, make you a better team, and you could get that coach to come in and shine. But if there's not a coach there, and if you're waiting for this coach to finally show up, why not just wait another year if you already know you're going to be mediocre? They want to win now with the players that they had on the roster. So that's why they were willing to throw $75 million at Fisher. But if they would have waited, maybe they could have gone after a guy like Mike Norvell out of Memphis. Paid him a lot less. Maybe they could have gone after a guy like Lane Kiffin. Paid him a lot less. Maybe they go after Joe Moorhead. Maybe they wait this year and then offer the same contract to air raid offensive analyst and amazing player Mike Leach out of Washington State. And he leaves before joining the SEC a year early. He just leaves in 2018 instead of 2019 from Pullman. All those could have been good fits. What if they were willing to offer that same air raid style to Cliff Kingsbury, who's now with the Arizona Cardinals? You don't know. But again, I always think that when you look at this, the what if question isn't would they fire someone? He was getting fired. And a 6-6 six and six season, which I do predict they would have had, Easily, you're out the door. You would have been gone. But if you wait another year, do you save money and get a quality coach who maybe struggles this year because of, again, five top 10 teams. You face the number one team three times in the year. That That's very difficult for any team to get over. But if you're paying less and you're still getting the same results that Fisher gets down the line, maybe that was a better hire. If they would have fired someone, though, there still were some names on the market that they could have targeted. We could have seen what they would have done. And let's go break down those names in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes, Spotify, whatever you listen to, or go listen right at LockedOnPodcast.com. We're talking about what-ifs this week and our first what-if. What if Jimbo Fisher was not the hire for Texas A&M back after the 2017 season? You have to realize that Fisher came in thanks to a very great relationship with former Texas A&M athletic director Scott Woodward. Woodward actually said about Kevin Sumlin's departure, Kevin Sanger included some of remarkable achievements and he leaves our program as one of the winningest football coaches in our storied history. Kevin makes us better all-around football program and led our program with dignity and character. He is a first-class person. Our expectations at A&M are very high. We believe we should compete for the SEC championship on an annual basis and at times national championships. I believe we need a new coach to take us there on behalf of Aggies everywhere. My thanks to Kevin, his family for his service to Texas A&M. I wish him the very best. You have to realize that when Woodward made the call to fire this guy, Kevin Sumlin, a person who did win, that's the biggest thing that I think a lot of people forget. He did win. It was not an easy call. And you had to have in line a person to take over 
who you were going to believe was going to bring that X factor, that momentum to your program. So Jimbo Fisher, because of a great relationship with Woodward, was number one on the list. Keep in mind, Ross Bjork did not take over until 2019. This was his first real season under A&M working with Fisher. So again, this was a Woodward hire before he left. I look at this list and you have to think, okay, if Fisher decided to stay in the ACC or go somewhere else like the Big 12 or Pac-12 or a different school in the ACC, maybe he goes to the NFL. There was a couple teams that possibly would have targeted him to become an NFL coach. He wasn't getting fired from Florida State. That's a given. He was going to leave on his own terms. But if he was to stay or go somewhere else, who would have been a name to watch for? First name that automatically comes to mind to me is Gus Malzahn of Auburn. Let me just hear me out. Gus Malzahn is on the hot seat every year, it seems like. And when you play against Alabama and you play for the Tigers, you are expected to win the Iron Bowl at least half the time. And Malzahn hasn't done that on a consistent basis. Yes, he has the kick six, and he has a few more wins, this past year included. But again, imagine if Tua Tagovailoa plays. Does he get that win? Or did he get that win because Mac Jones was playing, and they got very lucky on that conversion when there was no time left, and they got that kickoff? Because they only won by three. That was a very lucky win. So if he doesn't win this year, does he find himself a new job? Does Arkansas call him? instead of calling Sam Pittman. Well, he is from Irving, Texas, and he has a proven record. You got to look at this. Every year he's been at Auburn since 2013, he has been to a bowl game. And he's been to the New Year's Six one year. He has won the Western Division twice. So he's done a lot. And he's proven. 62-31 and as a head coach. SEC play, little risky, 33 and 23. But again, he's taken the team every year to a winning record. Also, he's had two plus 10 win seasons, one nine win season, three eight win seasons. You look at Jimbo Fisher, what he did at Florida State when he was hired, 83 and 23. The only difference is the last few years, he didn't win the division. He didn't finish first in the ACC. He finished second, third, sixth. They still would go to big-time games like the Rose Bowl, the Peach Bowl, and the Orange Bowl, but they were always the second dog to Clemson at this point. So again, outside of a few wins here and there, Malzahn's a perfect candidate. He knows the area, he recruits the area, and he's from the area originally. It would have made sense. Another name that would have made a ton of sense, Les Miles. Les Miles absolutely would have made sense. You look at what he was able to do, both at Oklahoma State and LSU. Oklahoma State, yeah, slightly over, 28-21 record, 16-16 in the Big 12. LSU, 114-34, and 62-28. Took him to seven, 10-plus win seasons out of the 12 years he was there. Couple nine win seasons, couple eight win seasons. The only year that was really bad for Les Miles was the final year. He went two and two before he was canned in 2016. Winner of a Peach Bowl, Sugar Bowl, BCS National Championship, Chick fil A Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Outback Bowl, Texas Bowl. Losers, 
BCS national title game against Alabama in 2011. Chick-fil-A Bowl, Music City Bowl, Capital One Bowl. Finished first three times. Finished second three times. Finished third four times. Finished fourth one time. Les Miles, though not from the Houston area or not from College Station, grew up in Ohio, perfect candidate. And now he's at Kansas. Last year, 3-9 and nine record. It's Kansas. It's going to take some time to grow. But you have to remember, Les Miles helped keep LSU afloat when Nick Saban went to the NFL. What did you want more from a, from a coach? Honestly, I know it was going to be probably a weird transition, but he knows the areas to recruit in the SEC. He knows every single spot, and he would bring on some people from his own staff to make it work. Now, unfortunately, he probably would bring on some coaches that nobody really wanted, like Cam Cameron. But at the same time, if you bring in a young, hotshot offensive mind, and you let him lead the defense alone, and you still go get Mike Elko, or someone else around that pedigree. Imagine that team. That's at least going to be the same record as Jimbo Fisher. Easily the same record. A couple other quick names just to go through. Philip Montgomery out of Tulsa. He's 18-21 and 21 after three seasons. He has the ties to big-time programs. Blake Anderson. Another big name to watch for. Anderson has been a consistent coach at Arkansas State. And for a while, you got to remember... Arkansas State was the pipeline to the SEC. You had back-to-back coaches coach there and immediately go to the SEC. Gus Malzahn, Hugh Freeze, back-to-back. And a year later, they were coaching the SEC. Think another name, Chad Morris. He has ties to A&M. Texas A&M graduate. He helped rebuild SMU after leaving Clemson. Has the Clemson pedigree. Imagine that with your team. And last but not least, Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury was the offensive coordinator that made Johnny Manziel the threat he was. And because of his work, he was able to land the job at his alma mater of Texas Tech. Maybe he doesn't land at the alma mater, but at least he is consistent enough to be your head coach. Now you see him in the NFL. You would have had to wait a year, by the way. Or you would have had to pay him more to lead Texas Tech. But it's a bigger program. You bring that air raid style to that system. Maybe it works. Maybe instead of running with double tight ends or, you know, a I formation, you run wide open. And if so, maybe that's how you end up winning the SEC. We're about to find out what the air raid looks like in the SEC with Mike Leach going to Starkville. If Cliff Kingsbury was the hire at the time, and again, you would have had to pay Texas Tech some money. You would have had to pay to get Kingsbury. But again, if that was the hire, maybe we would have seen the air raid two years earlier. And maybe that's what it takes to win the SEC against a team like Alabama. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Next time, we will be breaking down another what if. What if Kyler Murray or Kyle Allen did not transfer from the program. This was the knife in the coffin to most people for Kevin Sumlin. What if one 
elected to stay. We'll be breaking down both names and how they would fit with AM when we come back. And make sure you're listening to all of our great shows surrounding all our conferences. Locked on SEC, Locked on ACC, Locked on Big Ten, Locked on Big 12, and of course, Locked on College Football. We will see you tomorrow. And remember, take me all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.